0: Jamie McLaughlin, the director of World Relief Fox Valley. World Relief welcomes and serves refugees. And there are many challenges to overcome when refugees first arrive in the Fox Valley. They work hard and they persevere to gain stability and adjustment. So a situation like COVID really caused additional hardship. But the COVID 19 Community Response Fund was a great benefit, and World Relief was able to use this funding to assist refugees who had lost their jobs or whose employment was disrupted by COVID. We used the funds as a bridge to pay one month's rent for families who were either waiting to go back to work or those who were waiting for additional benefits. Most of these families were led by single moms. While this funding was a very tangible gift, it also provided hope and encouragement and the message to our refugee community that they have the support and care of the greater Fox Cities community. That was
1: Tammy McLaughlin from World Relief Fox Valley talking about the impact of the grant money from the COVID-19 Community Response Fund. Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region. I'm Amy Spreeman. When the pandemic hit back in March of 2020, everything changed. Many vital services, which so many people rely upon, were suspended. The Community Foundation and United Way Fox Cities immediately asked, how can we help our Fox Valley nonprofits and the people they serve during this public health emergency and economic crisis? A little later on, we'll hear from more nonprofits who received the grants, but right now we're going to hear from the two organizations that put this COVID-19 Community Response Fund together. We invited Tammy Geenan, our Vice President of Community Engagement, and Tony Gonzalez, Vice President of Community Development at United Way Fox Cities, to reflect about the incredible impact this fund has had in the past two years and what's next. The two sat down with me a couple days ago, and we thought you'd enjoy hearing what we talked about. Thank you, Tammy and Tony, for having this conversation today.
2: Thanks, Amy.
1: I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions today to get this conversation going. So let's start way back at the beginning. Take us back to that week in March when organizations like ours were watching the doors close as the COVID-19 sickness just began sweeping through this nation. What were your thoughts at the time?
3: Wow, it's, um, it's interesting to reflect, thinking back
1: two years ago, there was so much that was unknown
3: at that time. And I remember both of our organizations, United Way and Community Foundation, had just started working all remotely with our staff members. And we were thinking about their, their safety and keeping our operations going so that we could continue to serve the community as the pandemic was unfolding. So I know there was a lot that that was unknown at that point, but very quickly on, uh, just based on the the close relationship that United Way and Community Foundation um, had established for many years, uh, my first thought turned to: Okay, we need to consider a community emergency response fund and less check with our partners at United Way, and I think I reached out to you, Tony, to say, hey, what do you think about partnering on this?
2: Yeah, and I think within probably a couple of days, um, you know, at the same time we're setting up Zoom accounts and figuring out how we're going to work differently, Um, we were also, you and I, Tammy, meeting and really um, leaning on both organizations and our networks and and some information that we had um, received um, from um, both the foundation and United Way channels um, put our heads together, and within a few days created the Community Response Fund. So essentially, the protocol that we were going to follow um, in order to get funds out in the community, the the purpose behind it, the basic needs focus, um, but also doing uh, setting up the process so it was going to be as efficient as we could make it, um, and and from a trust based standpoint. Um, and I remember being very intentional with you about that, saying, "How can we do this um, in a trust-based way, in an intentional way, and the quickest way we can get the funds in the community? Let's figure out how to do it." And, and we did that very thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and because things were so unknown, I remember thinking, "Okay, in addition to focusing on some of those immediate basic needs, you know, what does this mean for the short-term response, the longer-term recovery?" And without knowing what that would look like, how to build that flexibility in. And, you know, I think one of the just amazing things about this community is the generosity and the willingness of people to pitch in and help um, whenever there's a crisis or a challenge. And when the call goes out, people say, yes, what can I do? And so through the Community Response Fund, we saw 441 individuals, businesses, and foundations that quickly contributed a little over 1.7 million dollars to help nonprofits that were meeting some of those critical basic needs um, for our most vulnerable and underserved community members. So that was just so heartwarming to see that initial response.
2: Yeah, it really was, and, and I think, as you're saying, no, no surprise, right? We it is this community has example after example, a history of coming. Forward when, when people have needs. And this was really felt unprecedented. I remember us even um, thinking how quickly folks came forward. So that 1.7, I think we had you know something like 1.4, 1.6 raised within only a few months. Um, it was pretty incredible.
3: Mm-hmm. And then we brought together members of um, our staff from each of our organizations and formed the advisory committee that met very frequently at the beginning as we I were trying to figure was, things
2: out. Yeah, it was tw- at least twice a week. Sometimes it felt more like it felt like um, I think maybe the first month we met th- three times a week. Some some to um, still flesh out the process, but um, and some we need, we just needed that amount of time to review all the grant applications we received. I. Remember, we stood up a new email quickly, and Lisa on our team was, you know, doing everything she could to keep up with the flood of emails that were coming in with requests. So, I, you know, I look back fondly at that time, thinking about how quickly um, we responded and how, how well our teams worked together in making these important decisions. I'm real proud of what we did.
3: Mm-hmm. I I agree, and also just so proud of our nonprofit organizations in our region. Um, that was such an incredibly challenging time. So many unknowns and just trying to listen and understand what those ever changing needs were sometimes week to week, month to month and understand how they were needing to pivot to help, people in our community that were really, uh, really hurting and in need of services quickly. So just remember um, as well, being very proud of our nonprofit sector all throughout uh, our multi-county region in Outagamie, Calumet, Shawano, Wapaca, and uh, the Nina Manasha area of Winnebago counties, um, and just truly some remarkable work by nonprofit organizations.
1: How was it decided who would get the funding from the COVID-19 Community Response Fund? And Tony, let's start with you.
2: So I think we, um, we quickly made the decision that we had uh, representatives from both organizations, uh, Community Foundation and United Way Fox Cities, who were meeting, it was two to three times a week, at least initially, and it seemed like we did that for half a year. Um, we really operated kind of as one team um an extension of each other's organizations in the way of going out essentially the process was organizations would email us through a, an email we created and our staff would essentially do an interview with the agency so our staff were out combing the community trying to understand the rapidly changing needs um, agencies were incredible in terms of the way they were at the time. The favorite word, I think, was pivoting and figuring out how they're going to figure how they're going to provide service in a different way. And so there were many organizations that were utilizing technology in a different way to provide mental health counseling and so on and so on. And so our staff were doing our very best to understand these the changing climate um, and where the needs were evolving. And we were making decisions at every meeting to invest uh, funds in the community. We um, probably the we maybe awarded everything from fifteen grants a meeting to um, you know five. Um, But we were always every meeting we were making decisions on getting funding back in the community. Uh, The world was changing that quickly.
3: And in the in the end, one hundred and eighteen organizations received $1,776,497 in grants um, in the areas of health and well-being, vulnerable populations, food, housing, safe shelter, financial assistance, and child care. Those are really our our core areas um, of support um, that were provided in the multi county regions of Outagamie, Calumet, Shawano, Wapaca, and the Nina Manasha area of Winnebago County. Um, so as, as Tony mentioned, there was a, a constant ongoing dialogue and learning and understanding those needs that were changing all of the time uh, within the community with nonprofit organizations that, um, that allowed the Community Response
2: Fund, to address those needs as they emerged. Yeah, and depending how big they were um, and how much the issues were changing, on occasion we were inviting agencies to join our Zoom meetings um, so that everyone could meet with them, again, to unpack some of the more complex things that were happening, to understand it better and how much um, we could invest in. Um, we had a finite amount of money, and we wanted to make sure that we were making smart investments, so.
1: Wow, that is pretty amazing. Tammy and Tony, why don't we pause here? We're going to take a quick break and be right back. The
3: Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region is a great resource for making a local impact while simplifying your charitable giving through a tax-deductible charitable fund. Perhaps you're passionate about certain organizations or want to support causes such as education or pets at the animal shelter, or you're interested in addressing the greatest needs of the community. When you partner with us, we'll share our local knowledge so that you can make a difference today and always. Learn more at cffoxvalley.org.
0: The Community Foundation's collective impact is tremendous. In 2021 alone, the organization distributed $38.5 million in grants to more than 1,300 local recipients. Those grants support the full range of charitable causes in the community, from human services to the arts. The Community Foundation is led by an impressive team of volunteers and staff. Learn how you, your family or business, can make a difference at www. Dot cffoxvalley.org Thank you.
1: Hello, I am Judy Olson, Executive Director at Child Care Resource and Referral. We want to give our sincerest thanks to all of you who have donated to the COVID-19 Community Response Fund. The support of the funds has given us the opportunity to purchase cleaning supplies for over 200 child care programs. We are so grateful to community supporters like you whose donations allow us to give child care professionals supplies needed to provide that extra health and safety measures during COVID. Once again, thank you for your incredible generosity on behalf of all of us at Child Care Resource and Referral. We are back with Tony Gonzalez and Tammy Geenan. You know, there are so many stories like these that we just heard. What are some of your favorite highlights?
2: Well, I think, you know, I think about some of the grants and what St. Joe's was doing in particular. Um, they were trying to figure out, they were helping other smaller pantries in distributing food food to them. Um, but they were also trying to figure out how to assist individuals in a, in a, in a completely different way than they've done in the past. And so they um, created a drive up kind of um, service delivery model that they hadn't never considered before, Um, but what they needed in order to make that happen is they needed some change in renovation in their facility, and they needed equipment in the way of coolers, freezers, to be able to shift to that kind of drive-up model. Um, The thing I liked about it, um, they... You know, the decision they made, they moved as quickly as they reasonably could, put it in place. And we knew that when we were investing in it, it was helping people meet their basic needs today. But it was a new service provision that was going to be really an investment in perpetuity. They intended to do this long term. Um, So for people with mobility issues, we knew that they were going to be able to be served in a better way in the future as well. So I really liked it was one of those things we did that we knew it was going to have long-lasting reach. Um, there were other organizations like, um, I think about Casa Hispania, um, that was providing food and other, other basic needs support, financial supports, um, to individuals that, in a more targeted way, to folks that are underserved, um, folks that perhaps didn't know how, how to navigate the, the services in the community um, and so they were able to reach families that otherwise probably wouldn't have been supported at all. Um, I think about the multicultural coalition that came together on a kind of different way, and in some of the later grants that we uh, were able to provide um, in the last couple of years were finding ways to get vaccinations to individuals that probably wouldn't have otherwise gotten them. Um, so folks that were un- also underserved and folks that didn't perhaps trust or understand how to navigate um, our healthcare systems and um, pretty much brought the vaccination options to them. Um, but there's a whole laundry list. I think about telehealth and the mental health services, we were able to invest in technology to allow kids to be seen at a really, really tough time that otherwise wouldn't have been seen. Mm-hmm. So some, some thoughts that come to mind.
3: Yeah. And uh remembering to, um, Pillars uh, Homeless Shelter and needing to provide that ongoing safe housing space for members of our community um, in a way that would also help to keep the shelter staff safe and working with a local hotel and how to shift how and where those services were provided um, was another one that jumps out and Also helping to support um, the YMCA and the Boys and Girls Club in providing childcare services for frontline healthcare workers to ensure they were able to Respond um, and be there for our community as the pandemic was unfolding and was so, there was so much uncertainty. So there are um, so many examples among those 118 organizations that received grants, everything from very small grassroots efforts to make sure people had the food that they needed all the way up to safe housing and, and child care and financial assistance um, to just help everyone get through a really tough time.
1: Well, the fund has now reached its two-year mark and has just made the last two grants. Tell us about those, and are we prepared to do this again if need be?
2: Yeah, the last two grants, um, Casa Hispani, I mentioned that moments ago, um, Again, we were able to assist with, uh, financial assistance focus, vaccination type focus with the multicultural coalition. So, um, it was a great way to, I think, distribute the final funds that we had in really focusing, um, in both instances on individuals that are um, more underserved in our, in our community. Um, and our organizations have met recently. We recognize, um, certainly in my past, working with the Red Cross, being prepared for disasters was what I lived and breathed for a number of years. So Tammy and I met again and said, you know, the work that our organizations put in it, the, the, the some lessons learned from that and um, the experience we had in it and how well our organization came together. We thought this this is a really good thing. And we've created something that we could stand up quite easily should this happen again. And it will. Hopefully not for some time. But we, our teams got together. We tweaked, um, our process a bit, a little bit. Um, but by and large are able to to keep the same system in place that, um, should we need to, we can really stand this up in a moment's notice. And it's really, it, it's all, facets of our organization that make this goal, right? It's the people who are making like our two teams that are making the investment decisions. Um, but our other departments that are out there in the trenches asking for people's assistance, um, meeting with individuals and corporations and business owners and so on. There's a lot of work behind the scenes, but um, again, we're really excited about being able to keep this going. Should we need to?
3: I think we, have learned so much over the past two years about even more so about the benefit of working together and how you can be stronger together with so many wonderful partners. So like United Way, our nonprofit partners, our local businesses and community leaders and nonprofit organizations. And just how it's possible to navigate really challenging times, but uh, when we come together, uh, some pretty amazing results are possible and how we can continue um, taking what we've learned and applying that as we go forward in our work. Uh, But as Tony mentioned, for the next time, the community needs our organizations and other partners to respond in a time of community crisis.
1: Tammy and Tony, thank you so much for inviting our listeners into this conversation today. Is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know?
2: Well, actually, hearing Tammy's last comment made me think about it, it, it really is community. It's what we were a bit of a conduit between folks that want to give and agencies that need and deliver service. And I'm proud, again, of what we've done. Uh, community Foundation is an exceptional partner, um, and we couldn't have done um, what we did without each other. And that's what community is about, right? It's coming together and and, and meeting needs, um, and we did it as quickly as we could. I, you know... I think that, could we have done it any faster? I don't think we could have.
3: (laughs) I'd hate to imagine what that would have looked like. (laughs) We might
2: not have slept on the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both. Thanks, Thanks, Amy.
1: We will be right back.
2: I'm Reg Whiteaven, a local attorney with McCarty Law and a board member for the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region. The Community Foundation is about connecting the needs of the community with solutions, as evidenced by the Nelson Family Crossing, a walkway linking Kekana and Littleshoe. I've also seen Community Foundation staff connect my clients to certain causes or charities. I'd like to connect you with the Community Foundation's helpful and passionate staff. Please call 920-830-1290 or go to cffoxvalley.org.
1: Well, that was a great conversation with Tammy Geenan from the Community Foundation and Tony Gonzalez from United Way Fox Cities. Both organizations have a list of all the donors to the COVID-19 Community Response Fund, as well as a list of grants awarded. You can find those links in our show notes today by going to cffoxvalley.org. Look for the podcast link on our homepage, and then look for today's episode titled COVID-19 Reflection and Response. Thank you for listening, and you can subscribe to this podcast and get all of our episodes delivered to you on demand, sent to your computer or smart device. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region.